0: Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you?
1: Sean, I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: Doing well. We're going to talk some culture today. (laughs) Or climate. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to talk climate. You can change the climate by doing some things with jerseys, putting on some stupid sunglasses, but you can't change the (laughs) culture that way.
1: Yeah, um, if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, that was kind of the the online news of yesterday. Uh, actually, from an interview that had taken place over a month ago. I'm not sure if the SEC Network had already put that interview out before and everybody just missed it, or uh, if they clipped a certain <clears throat> excuse me, uh, clipped a certain portion of that. And it was pretty obvious, though, right? Like uh, the timing of that all. I believe Stoops went the day after shane beamer when he had he had a video it was like i guess it was an internet uh trend he participated in with the social boy and if you're not of a certain age you probably know who social boy is uh he was popular whenever i was in middle school so we're going back a little ways with social boy but uh yeah danced around a song put glasses on really pretty innocent didn't you think i mean it was nothing i don't know i didn't think it was anything bad
0: no, I, I I didn't think it was anything bad, but you know, Mark, Mark Stoops obviously didn't decided like to uh, to poke at it, and I guess that's something you can do when you feel that comfortable with where you are as a program. When it comes to playing South Carolina and the success that he's had against that program since he's been at Kentucky, obviously the the one recent loss was the year that they didn't have a quarterback that could even hold their arm up, and they went with Lynn Bowden at the end of the game, so. You almost throw that game and, and that outcome out because if Kentucky had been at full strength and healthy at the quarterback, they probably won that one. Or if they committed to Lynn Bowden that game, they probably would have won it.
1: Yeah, you do kind of, I mean, you got to give South Carolina credit, obviously, they won the game. But you, I I think a lot of us, we didn't have the podcast back then, but I know we talked, like a lot of people wondered if you would have played that game later in the season or what the outcome, if it might have been a little different. Um that was a South Carolina team that I think was okay. It was a bowl team. It was, you know, just an okay uh, South Carolina team. But it was interesting. I was trying to figure out, like, what, what could have happened between Shane Beamer and Mark Stoops? Maybe it was nothing. Maybe it was as simple as Stoops just, like, thought it was dumb and he's comfortable enough in his own skin now that he can kind of call things out. And uh, But it, it did get the uh, folks in Columbia fired up. A lot of fans talking about – uh october 8th when they play coming up here and it seems like this is a series for them and i don't know it's kind of been the joke the whole time i've been on the internet like going back to the mid-2000s that uh like maybe south carolina fans don't really live in reality in terms of like what their program is uh because they did have a they had a great run with spurrier there in the early 2010s i think they won 11 games three straight years and it's been pretty average since then, and it was pretty average before that. Uh, so, I hope Kentucky fans have really taken the time to kind of relish uh, the domination that it's been for Mark Stoops in this series. Just because it bothers them so bad that uh, they lose to Kentucky, You know, a basketball school. They kept throwing that around yesterday basketball school. But, like, you know, South Carolina's not good at basketball or football. So, I don't really oh. know. If, women's basketball they're good at uh used to be good at baseball not anymore they had a losing record this year in baseball uh so but again like i think the point i want to get to though kind of taking the seven and two record out of it the stoops has against them sean i think we've seen a different mark stoops this offseason and maybe it's just kind of lined up where it's kind of happened these last few days where that interview you know, it took place a month ago, but it just came out yesterday, and this is just days after the whole stuff was going on with John Calipari. What do you make of what well, do you make of how this offseason's been?
0: Well, maybe if we had seen that interview, we maybe wouldn't have been surprised by his reaction to John Calipari. <laughs> like I don't know, because that's a confident Mark Stoops. That's a guy who is definitely comfortable in his own skin and and where his program is and. I think it's uh, a swagger that he knows he has a good team this year. I think he feels really confident about where they are just, what, 17 days from from kickoff here and and where they stand and what they've done in recent years and what they're continuing to do on the recruiting trail and where they're going this year. And it's crazy to think, though, that all that success against this program, just talking South Carolina here, that six years ago when it came to that matchup at Kroger Field – there was buzz that Mark Stoops would be fired on Sunday, possibly. Yeah, And then he beat South Carolina. And then now feels comfortable enough six years down the road to kind of speak his thoughts on something that he thought was probably silly and dumb. And uh, it's crazy to think how far we've come in six years to where we are now with this new version of Mark Stoops, who has a ton of success behind him and talking like he feels like there's even more success coming down the road.
1: Well, I think the SEC East is in an interesting place. Um, You know, Georgia has separated itself in a tier of its own, clearly. Uh, Coming off a national championship, preseason top five again, probably. uh, would. I mean, it would would be a pretty major upset, I think, this year if they didn't win the East once again. A lot of people think they could go undefeated once again. So you kind of look at them in their own right, but – you have the quote-unquote traditional powers, Florida, Tennessee, that are early in 10 years for a new coach, Josh Heupel. Uh, definitely, I would say, overperformed expectations in year one. Uh, pretty good recruiting class going down there this year. People are excited again. You're like back in that Tennessee phase where it's uh, – they're they're optimistic again. They've gone through it with every coach they've had since Fulmer. Uh, they're in that phase right now with Heupel. Billy Napier are off to a great start recruiting. I mean, they've really turned it on. Um, they might be able to land a few more big fish and climb into the top five recruiting, but should probably be a top 10 class. But year one for him, we'll see how that goes. I think people are optimistic about his background, the success he had at Louisiana. So most people would say uh, Florida and Tennessee are, are probably trending up. And then you have South Carolina, similar to Hypo, not, not to the same extent, but in terms of outperforming what was probably expected of them. I I think South Carolina to finish with a winning record and win a bowl game. I mean, that was probably a great year for them last year. But um, then Missouri had a great class too. But Missouri was – you don't really hear much about Missouri right now, but they were the team everybody wanted to talk about last year in the preseason because they performed well in the COVID year. Uh, and then you have Kentucky who I I think Mark Stoops and people I've talked to have been at practice. Like there are people very confident that this is the best team they've had in terms of talent. We'll see if the record, uh, will will reflect that, but like someone has to lose these games, Sean. So I'm just kind of fascinated to see how it's going to go. Cause like just reading the South Carolina folks, they all seem to think that Kentucky should be the sixth best team in the league. Although I don't, I don't know really why South Carolina has any more right to feel like they're that superior in football to Kentucky because uh, historically it doesn't really doesn't really reflect that outside of a few good years here and there but uh either way that's kind of how they feel and then and, and somebody will have to lose these games somebody will have to fall back but um I feel pretty confident that the reasons we talked about in, in prior episodes just the timing of that South Carolina game I, I feel pretty good about that one for UK
0: yeah, I do too. I'm, I'm pretty confident in Kentucky winning that game. I, I talked to a Tennessee fan yesterday, and you know, you were talking how they they go through the these stages when it comes to coaches, and they're they're optimistic, and they think this is their time and their year. And I said, oh, so I said it's almost football time, and it was. And she said, yep, it's that time of year where. I'm hoping we're good, but we probably won't be. (laughs) That's what she said. And uh, it feels like that that's been Tennessee in a nutshell now for, what, a decade where they go into every year thinking, okay, this is it. And then after about five weeks, they're like, okay, it's another just okay season or a less than stellar season. But it it feels like Kentucky football is at a point now, Derek, where fans expect success and they get success. And fans certainly Mm -hmm. expect a lot of it this year.
1: Well, there are real expectations this year. I mean, you know, that's, that's another talking about how Stoops has been different. I think just this whole offseason has been different because you're in a spot that you're picked second in the East, you're picked number it's 20, right. in the people. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a team that there are very few teams on this schedule that you look up that are ranked higher or that are expected to do more this season than Kentucky. And it's, that's a unique spot to be in. Uh, you know, I think they've earned it. I think they can meet those expectations, but it also maybe puts a little bit bigger target uh, on their back versus what they've had in the past. Um, you know, I, I, I'm i just really curious to see how, how it plays out because, you know, the seasons that people from outside of Lexington want to say, you know, seven and five, people are happy with that. Mike's been, well, we'll see this year. If they go seven and five and after being picked second, I I'll tell you people aren't going to be happy with that so it will be curious to see kind of what they do as a as I'll I'll use the word encore just because you got lots of guys but also a lot of the same supporting cast is back for this year can they build off of what Will Levis did last year what they have with Chris Rodriguez uh, a front seven Sean that I think should be really good and that's what we're going to get into a little bit uh, in today's episode.
0: Yeah, and let's go ahead and start talking about that. So we're going to continue along with our position previews. We've done a couple of these uh, this month, and we're going to do a couple more going down, up and all the way till kickoff here, 17 days away. So let's talk about that defensive line today, Derek. And it starts with having to replace a guy like Josh Paschal, Mark Juan McCall. There are really talented pieces that have left the program but this is a young room that has some talent former five-star in Justin Rogers, what do you make of the room?
1: I mean, I I think this is the one position that, you know, they've recruited extremely well. One of the highest-ranked guys on their, you know, one of their highest-ranked recruits ever, Uh, uh, Justin Rogers. Probably going to be starting at Noseguard this year. It's kind of his time. He's been behind Bohanna. He was behind uh, Marquand McCall. And even Josiah Hayes, I would say at times, has probably been ahead of him. But – you know, in some combination, it's going to be Hayes and and Rogers there, getting the most reps at nose. Um, Oxendon was Octavius Oxendon was putting together uh, his best game of the season last year against LSU. Whenever he got hurt and was out for the rest of the year, he slimmed down from what I you know read at, for media day. Uh, he he looks he looks good. Uh, we'll see how he comes back from that, but. I think a lot of people, the, the position they were most worried about was replacing Pascal at defensive end. Trayvon Ripka did some good things in the ball game, uh, but he's he was another one of those guys from that 2020 class who people are looking to see take a step forward. I mean, what you'll see this year, I think, is uh, – and I'm not even mentioning the guy yet who it seems like everybody's talking about. We'll get to him in a minute. But just going back to that 2020 class, which also had Sam Minnelli as well. I hadn't mentioned him yet he's at defensive end uh, but he seems to be a little ways off from from still helping that was a a defensive line class that if i remember right basically outside of like the the big dogs you would expect like alabama georgia clemson like kentucky's defensive line class that that year was really as good as anyone's on paper by recruiting rankings think about the teams they beat out for justin rogers uh, georgia tennessee michigan had offered him uh, Octavius Oxendon, another guy they beat out for Tennessee. Um, and he had a few other schools. Trayvon ripka I want to say, took an official visit to Oregon and Oklahoma. I mean, those were he was a coveted guy as well. Uh, and ellie was committed to Miami for a time. So, you know, these were guys that, and Hayes was a, was an old miscommit from Mississippi. So they beat out real schools to get these guys. And now they're in the third year in the program. I think the expectations for this group should be pretty high. And, uh, Going to the guy that it seems like every time I click on a U.K. story, Sean, they're talking about Deion Walker. And Deion Walker is 6'6", 330, and and can move. I mean, uh, I'm sure you heard Mark Stoops' comments about him on Saturday. He – I've covered the program for a long time. Stoops does typically not go out of his way to talk about young guys like that unless they're the real deal.
0: Yeah, and and I'm sitting here looking at this roster and and things, and, and you brought up Quentin Bohanna a minute ago and that's a position that has been solid the last few years. Quentin Bohanna, Marquon McCall. Now you get a former five-star guy and Justin Rogers sliding into that spot, and this is an area of play, what, four seasons ago we were talking about defensive line and how they had to get better there on that side of the football. Mm-hmm. They've recruited at that spot, and you've got some experience there. Obviously, Oxon, I think, has only played in, what, nine games before that injury uh, last season. I think uh, Justin Rogers maybe 20 games, and I'm sure Hayes is a little under that, so that they have some guys that have been able to get their feet wet, and that's on that side of the ball. Uh, is this an area you think is going to end up with with some youth that's going to end up being a strength and continuing to improve as the season goes along, or do you think they're going to rely on that linebacker group too to to kind of help them through?
1: I mean, yeah, I think I think the defensive line at Kentucky is the one spot that you know, rightfully so. I mean, Pascal's a top 50 pick. He was, I mean, just huge for this program. He had some games last year, the Florida game in particular that, I mean, he just single-handedly, it seemed like just wrecked the Gators up front. Um, you know, it, it is interesting because I, to me, I think Deion Walker changes a lot. If he's, if he's really kind of the guy that's, I mean, we're talking about a guy who could be starting on the defensive line as a true freshman. We'll see if he actually trots up there with the first team against Miami, Ohio, but regardless at this point we can we can assume he has solidified a place on this team like he is going to play a lot uh for these guys so I mean you add him to a mix of guys that I I think you could already pick three or four players that just with increased snaps you know have the potential to kind of take a pretty big step forward and um I think more than it's it's a good thing to say about this team because you could look to some other positions and and try to compare it but like I think this room has so much potential to uh, to really be the kind of unit that maybe didn't get talked about a ton in the preseason, but you look at mid season and, and several guys are having really good years and they're, you know, really doing a good thing. Not only run the, the thing about the prior years, I think for Kentucky is like Bohanna and which he's, you know, still on the NFL team doing well. McCall made a, I think he's still competing for a spot with the Panthers. Like, those were guys who were pretty good space eaters and that was what was required of them at nose. I think Justin Rogers brings a level <clears throat> excuse me, brings a level of explosiveness that those other two guys didn't have. And I think an ability to get to the, you know, a little bit better pass rusher than what those other guys were. And I think Oxendine, he had what, two sacks, I think, against LSU. They gave me a
0: named so SEC was... defensive player, or was it defensive player or was it? lineman. Uh, what was the, he He earned an, an award that week. Yeah, he definitely got an award. I can't remember which one it was. Co- uh, Co-SEC Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah, he tough had two right. sacks yep, and suffered that season ending injury there. So his his start, he had made three starts last year, totaled 15 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, and a quarterback hurry, and he has played in non-career games.
1: Yeah, so pretty, you know, not even a full season then. You know, if you're just talking it, about a regular 12 game season, he has been here two years and hasn't uh, I guess the, he's probably listed as a red shirt. I, the twenty twenty years always—it's weird with how they've done the done the roster. Um,
0: so if you had to pick someone that would be the star of that group, would it be Oxendon? Is that who you would go with if you had um, to pick someone to to be the star by season's end? Or would you go a different direction?
1: I really hate to even do this, just because he's not, literally not played a snap yet. But like, if Dion like Dion Walker. These that are 3'30", like that move and can get up to, like can hold up in run support and also get after the quarterback like they don't guys like that typically don't play at Kentucky um, so again I've, I'm very cautious uh, to say he will be the, you know their star just because it's asking so much of a of a true freshman going up against SEC offensive lineman for the first time in his career but I would I, can I call him an X factor. Just because I think oh, right. it changes things, if he's like if you add a guy to the room like that, it's just to me that's huge. I, I would probably Ox showed a lot in that LSU game, and he was doing some good things up until that. But it's just kind of I don't know that anyone in that twenty twenty class yet stands out a ton above the others. Whereas whereas I think they've all been fine when they've been in there. Um, that's a tough one to call. And another guy I've mentioned, and I don't really know what's going on with him, Henry Young, Darion Henry Young, or Darian Henry Young from Ohio State, was like rated the highest out of everybody outside
0: of uh, Rogers, and he transferred Thank in
1: you. here. Um, but he's—I'm not heard much about him
0: this fall. No, I haven't either. And then you know, you're you're talking about Walker and Mark Stoops spoke after that scrimmage and, and talked about him, and I, I thought that that was a pretty big deal called him a uh, wrecker up front <laughs> so yeah some high praise from uh, some high praise for Mark Stoops for for Deion Walker and said that's a guy that jumps out right away to him so I mean they've got I'm him playing new... all three spots I think like getting reps
1: at all three defensively you know UK plays that 3-4 and I mean I don't know if he's gonna the way I envision that you know you remember Calvin Taylor kind of what he, what Calvin yeah. Taylor was by the end of his career was, was a really good player uh, for Kentucky and I don't know, like, I'm, I'm kind of wondering because Calvin Taylor, you know, if you're just going off the way they listed guys on the depth chart, Calvin Taylor plays or played what is Octavius Oxen spot. But it sounded to me almost like I think Oxendon, Don Rogers and Walker might've been the guys getting the first team reps at one point. I might have that wrong, but I, I think that's right. So well, what I don't know is if that was flipped, if, if, if he had Walker playing the defensive end spot or Fox slimmed down, that's what they're talking about. You know, he's kind of changed his body a little bit. I don't know if they flipped him over. And I don't know that, you know, we'll know that until the first game.
0: And, and when you're talking about those spots, I mean, you're, you're talking those inside guys, those big bodies, you're, you're wanting them to be able to stuff the run there. But it sounds like they got some guys that can get loose and get some pressure on the quarterback. And if you can get pressure on the quarterback from the inside with what Kentucky has – behind those guys and on the outside this could be a pretty disruptive defense up front
1: yeah i mean it really could be it could be i think i mean their front seven has a chance to be special i think and uh you are going to be counting on some guys because you know the linebackers are much more proven you you have jordan wright's like this is sixth year here i think he got here in 2017 uh you know jj weaver was really good last year still coming off of an injury and Obviously, Jaquas Jones has played a ton. DeAndre Squares played a ton. And then we're talking about the backups on the inside. Like, Trevin Wallace is going to be like the third highest rated dude on this team. And he's not even a starter. And he was a guy who was getting Patrick Queen from LSU comparisons coming out of high school. So he could be a guy who, uh, I don't, he might not be named a starter, but plays a whole lot. And that's not even, I mean, Derek Jackson is a guy who came back from the torn Achilles last year and looked really good when he played. I had an interception in the bowl game off that tip pass from, uh, Jordan Wright. So, we know the names. The only thing you might be concerned about a linebacker on the edges is just the depth because you're going to be most likely counting on true freshmen, Keaton Wade or Tyrese Herbree, maybe Noah Matthews, I'm not sure, um, out there. So, I, that's like maybe one spot for concern. But in terms of your your front guys, this should be one of the best groups they've had. And if Justin Rogers takes that leap, if he plays up to that ranking, if he's disruptive as a pass rusher, adding – him with Theon Walker, and I, I like Trayvon Ripka. I thought he had a good bowl game. Uh, yeah, and they have options. They have really good players up front, and that's the one position. Like you, kind of, it's always tough in camp. You, you try to wonder is one side
0: better than Brooklyn
1: the other, or yeah, is the other. Sure. And you got an offensive line at Kentucky that the interior Manning is new, but he's played a lot. He played at Auburn, so. Eli Cox moved over to center, and then Horsey's back. Horsey's, I guess, the one guy who's kind of, which he got moved around a little bit last year, played some tackle at times if someone was out. But in general, guys who have played a lot of football uh, in the SEC, but tackle-wise, those are two trying to break two new guys in. I wouldn't be surprised if if they have looked kind of bad at times because of how talented this front is.
0: Yeah, uh, that's, that's a fair point, and that's the thing that you always wonder when you – Go watch an open practice. Is okay. I mean, is is one group's success the other group's weakness, or I don't I don't know. But uh, one thing I want to Go ahead and add what you're going to add. That well, I, I was
1: yeah, I was going to say like a yeah, fan day, and it's it's almost always uh, defense is better than offense early in camp. Um, yeah, but at the fan day, dude, like the defensive line was ridiculous. Like it felt like the offense had no time to throw the ball. And two two guys that or one guy in particular that I like a lot last year when he played and and I'm going to guess he's going to be in the two deep this year is Khalil Saunders. He was a John Summerall recruit um, from Alabama that they thought had the pandemic uh, quarantine, things like that not happened would have been a, you know, an sec wide recruit that a lot of teams would have wanted him. And he did some good things last year when he got in there. And I think he's a guy that he's not gonna be the first person you talk about in the defensive line, but as a depth piece, that that's I think one of the biggest signs of growth in this program because I think he's a very good player four or five, six years ago probably would have been a starter going into the second year
0: and And one thing I want to get, and this is kind of covering the whole roster. so this isn't just talking defensive line, but it, when when we're talking about Deion Walker, uh, a young guy like that who made on threes preseason true freshman all american. oh, yeah, good point. And I mean that's that's a lot too, right? That's a lot of praise. Mark Stoops has praised him. I know Jock Jones has praised him. Even Eli Cox and and those offensive linemen. That's where you want to go get the input when it comes to to what these guys are because those are the guys that are going up against them every day in practice. So we talk about this team that Kentucky has, all this experience, these fifth year guys, a sixth year guy, uh, the quarterback who who's got experience in getting NFL consideration. You got. Experienced running backs. You've got all these guys across the board that have been in this program. How important is it though that you have these young guys? And I know at wide receiver, it's different. Barry and Brown, a freshman, so much talent. Dane Key, a freshman, so much talent. Deion Walker there on the defensive line. How important is it to have some young guys break through to be potential stars to get significant snaps this year? That when some of these other guys are out the door, you've got these face of the program potential people coming in behind them or following up their footsteps.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, well, I think the big thing with, with that 2022 class, while well, like, you, you know you're going to have to count on some guys. Like, they brought Berion yeah. Brown in here to be an instant player. I think I think Dane Keyes, you know, to basically take a starting role in the spring, I didn't see that coming. Um, So that's probably even more encouraging that he was able to do that. But, like, Deion Walker, I don't know if it was because – the Keon you know Keontae Goodwin had so much going on right there around signing day. They they committed on the same well, yeah. I mean Walker committed that morning at the they had the press conference for Goodwin that wasn't just to say he wasn't gonna commit or whatever. And then like I think Walker came up like an hour after and committed to UK. So everybody was kind of strung out over Keontae's decision. Maybe that flew under the radar a little bit. But you had an Alex Safari as well in the secondary. Um What is that, four guys right there? And I want. I think pretty clearly Fearbury and uh, Wade are going to have a chance to play. Some of these guys are probably going to play based just on, you know, where they numbers, just, you know, they're going to be counted on because there's not a whole lot of bodies otherwise. But, like, the roles they take on, I'm going to expect Brown and Key to have big roles. Deion Walker's going to have a big role. These are positions that wide receiver, to an extent, definitely need the guys to to stick up or to – you know improve but defensive line like there were a lot of bodies there and for a true freshman to come in and kind of break through the way he has i think says a lot about his talent i mean this is a guy they beat out georgia and michigan for like those, uh it's two playoff teams last year that were in his final list of schools and uh a major recruiting win but then you go to guys like josh caddis who they probably won't need this year but that's that's everybody (laughs) wants to talk about is is josh caddis uh and I watched him play on a game last year on TV on Valley Sports, the channel the Reds are on, and Moeller was on there, and he was just a, a big body. And I, it's not like I knew how it was gonna translate, but again, another room that has four or five guys that are already proven, and you got a true freshman who's the talk of the of the room. I mean, I think that's a huge thing, and it's a good point to to bring that up because Brown and Key in particular next year, and Walker, I guess you could even add in, but Brown and Key, like those are probably your number one and number two guys next year so getting them some good reps this year and then getting that experience will and definitely help the next quarterback next season. Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to say the that experience to to go with the next quarterback because kind of look and, and think that the next quarterback is probably not even on the roster right now. Yeah. Is, is how you would probably approach that, but anything else you want to add before we close this thing?
1: I mean, I think just the defensive line in general it's could be dominant, could I mean could go either way. Maybe these guys don't take the step. We think they will. Maybe Deion Walker hits that freshman wall. I mean, you can see it going a few different ways. But I just think that 2020 class, when you add in Henry Young as well, I mean, on paper, it's definitely their most talented group they've they've signed. And it's kind of – it's their time now. You know, these guys are mostly uh, pretty much across the board. You could see – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, what, Trayvon Ripka, Justin Rogers, and Octavius Oxendine starting that yeah. first game, I mean, potentially, and those are all 2020 guys, so it's their time to step up and, and kind of live up to that billing, and if they do that, I mean, I think this defense could be uh, very, very good.
0: Yeah, and, and we know that the defense, when it came to the secondary, that was an area of concern, And but if that group, if that front seven's really good, it takes a lot of pressure off the secondary, if they're able to get pressure on the quarterback, stop the run, and do some things there, but Derek, uh, what will be our next position preview? We've gone through, we've talked quarterbacks, we've talked receivers, de- receivers, we and we talked defensive line. Uh, I'm sure maybe you ought to dive into that running back room a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, we got we still got a couple more to.
0: And we're going to do a football mailbag later in the week. Probably looking at dropping that on Friday. So if you want, go ahead and get us your football mailbag questions. And we will uh, record that one as the uh, as the week goes along. We'll be sure to get a football mailbag out there as well.
1: Yeah, send in your questions. It's been months. <laughs> did we even do one in the spring? I don't remember.
0: I don't know. Uh, I don't think we did. I don't think we've done one since maybe February. Season. Yeah, yes.
1: it's been a while. So send those questions in. Looking forward to to getting to that. We'll do a couple more uh, position previews, but you know, like Sean said, I mean, we're would you say seventeen days? Away? 17
0: days, 17 What's days there? away from kickoff between Kentucky and Miami of Ohio. That's a not game at Kroger field to open the season. So not the uh, noon kickoff with 90 degree weather coming off the turf at Kroger field. So let's get about least 70
1: degrees, little cloud cover. Oh, that would just be great. Oh, that it'd be perfect. That'd be beautiful football. It's been, it's been cooling down. I don't know how it is down there where you live, but up here, it's, it's, it's been pretty pleasant.
0: It's not getting out of the 70s here today, so it is yeah. uh, super cool. feels pretty nice, but as always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by The Butcher's Pub, three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit the butcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. Until next time, he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you on the next episode of Kentucky Daily.